You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. All right, you ready to get into the Word this morning? Okay. Hey, man, I got to tell you something. This, um, this has been such an honor and a privilege over this, this past summer um, uh, due to personal things that have, and obviously things that have gone on in my life the last few summers. Um, I haven't been able to take part in some of the things that have taken place. And this year, I was able to sit in on a couple of VBS worship services uh, that I normally don't get to do. And I was able to drive up on Tuesday night and Wednesday morning to be at camp with these students. And I got to tell you, man, these students are on fire for the Lord. And I have to tell you, as as a pastor, um, to see the ministry that's taking place to both children and students um, is amazing. Um, Not only from the leadership of our our, our team on staff, which uh, Ryan and Robin Joyner and Bradley and Maddie Walters, I mean, they do an incredible job. But there are so many volunteers that are behind the scenes that are making all this happen and giving of their time and effort. And this year, a dream came true for me. Uh, the dream has always been um, uh, because camps um, just get more expensive and more expensive and more expensive. Generally, it costs about... You know, it, it's now like three or four hundred dollars to, to to send a, a child to camp, and uh, I was praying last year, and I just said, God, for the last several years, I just said, I, I just really want, well, I would love to see no kid have to pay anything to come to VBS, no student have to pay anything to go to camp, and because of your regular giving and the generosity of some of our people that stepped up to the plate this year for the first time, every student every, that wanted to go to camp, every child that wanted to go to BBS didn't pay a dime. They were able to go. And I can't tell you what that means to me, but also I need you to know something. Between VBS and between the camp, 481 kids and students came to either VBS or student camp, and 180 kids or students said yes to Jesus during those times. What you do and what you give matters and has an eternal impact on people's lives. And from the bottom of my heart, Thank you so much for what you do for this church and these students and these children here. I, I cannot thank you enough for that. Well, today we're, we are in part four of a series we began just a few weeks ago called Asking for a Friend. And these, this series has been about the questions that have been on your mind. A couple of months ago, we asked for those questions and input, things that you always wanted to hear something on. And uh, we've talked about what about Christians in politics? What about Christianity and culture with LGBTQ and transgenderism? What does the Bible say about heaven and hell and angels and all those things? That's what we've covered so far. And so today is not an easy topic as well, but it is a necessary topic that we need to talk about that we don't talk about enough in the church, and that's the topic of mental health. And so I'm just going to say a quick prayer for us and get right into the message today. Father, in these next few moments, God, give me the words to say so that you can speak to your people. They don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. And so God, speak to your people today. Help us to lift a lid off of a subject that has been taboo for way too long and allow your word and truth to speak to us. And may there be folks in this room today 
that may have been struggling in silence, that today they begin to walk in a different way with your grace and power and peace. Anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth and anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive so that you may accomplish your perfect will in our lives. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. According to the CDC, the Centers of Disease Control, they say, quote, mental illness is the most common and current health crisis in the United States. As a matter of fact, the greatest challenge facing incoming freshmen at university and colleges today, according to administrators, is mental health challenges that they have. This is a real issue that is going on, and too many people are struggling in science, in silence. And I don't know what your idea of a great church is, but a church is not great because it's made up of great and perfect people. It's a place where people can come with all their brokenness, all their hurt, all their shame, and let God do a restorative work in their life. The stigma that's associated with mental health is so great that it begins to suppress people who have it into not coming forward, but instead suffering in silence. In 1997, Auburn University did a study, and the study was um, they were trying to see whether a person that has mental illness or says they have mental illness, were they treated differently? And the two reasons they gave and determined that was, were they treated different, um, whether it was because of childhood trauma or whether it was because of biochemistry or genetics. So the study was this. They would bring in two people. One of them didn't know they were part of the study. The other was an actor. And they were told they were going to be a part of the study where one would teach the other something and they would be um, and, and know how, uh, how they learned or not. So the way they did it was this. As they were getting things ready, they would bring two people in. One was an actor. One was a part of the study. The actor would share with them in casual conversation that they struggled with mental health or mental illness. And they would tell them one of two things, that it was either genetics or biochemistry or that it was because of childhood trauma. So when they got into the room, the actor was always the one being taught and the subject was always the one doing the teaching. And what they told him was, um, as you're teaching them, if they get something wrong, I want you to to, to take a buzzer and it was gonna zap them with an electric shock. I don't know who thought of this study. I don't wanna be a part of it, but. But here was the interesting thing. What they found was the, the people who were being studied and the actors who would get things wrong intentionally in order to see the response, they found that it was longer and harsher of a punishment or electric shock to the people who said they had mental illness according to biochemistry or genetics as opposed to those with childhood trauma, leading them to conclude that people really don't believe that mental illness is an illness. And there's a stigma attached to that, that what you're going through is not real. That stigma is present in institutions of higher learning. It is present in culture, and it can also be present in the church when you bring those influences into the church. And the problem with stigmas, they make it very difficult for those suffering to get help. They make it hard for friends and relatives to come alongside and help them, and they make it very difficult for the church to care as it's called to do. And so that's why we're here to tackle it up front. I'm gonna give you three stigmas that we need to get beyond and three truths this morning. The first stigma is this, is that we misrepresent what mental illness is. 
We misrepresent what mental illness is. So in today's world, we use psychological words in, a ca- words in a casual way. We'll use them in random conversations. We'll say things like, you know, oh, I'm so depressed because my team lost. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just filled with anxiety. My to-do list is so long or so big. Or my dog is being schizophrenic. We, we use psychological terms in, in, in everyday conversations. Listen, the problem with that is, is when we do that, we minimize the reality of what the issue really is. Listen, your team may have lost. Your team may be the worst team ever, but you don't have depression because depression is a clinical condition where someone is fighting their own biochemistry just to survive. You may have a long to-do list, but it is not causing you anxiety because anxiety is actually a condition where someone is paralyzed by a disruption in their neurological system for a moment or an episode. These are real things. And when we hijack these terms and use them in our own way and literally diminish what the reality is, instead of allowing people to come out and get help, we cause them to shrink back and resist getting help and stay in the shell of darkness that they have been living in, looking for a place to come out. We misrepresent what mental illness is. Mental illness is just that. It's an illness. We don't look down upon someone because they have the flu. We don't look down upon someone because they have cancer. But for some reason, there's a stigma that is associated with someone who has chemical or biochemistry or genetic difficulties in their life. Stigma number two is this. We think mental illness is only a modern problem. We think it just came around a few years ago. Listen, you've heard it. I've heard it. Someone imply that this is just a relatively new problem. You know, back in my day, we didn't have these issues. Yes, you did. We just live in more modern times where we've identified things, but mental illness has always been a part of the human condition since sin entered the world. Always. And can I tell you, some of the people in the Bible, even heroes that you look to, dealt with difficult mental health problems that you can look back on and see these things right now. Jacob, who is the grandson of Abraham, whose name was changed to Israel and had 12 sons and became the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob suffered from intense family trauma and what a lot of people would look at and say a form of PTSD in his life. He clearly detaches from his family. He can't sleep at nights, especially when he is facing challenges that is coming up. He suffers from angry outbursts, illogical behavior, irrational behavior in order to try to protect his son, whom is, uh, uh, his youngest son, in order to save his family in that. Some serious stuff going on. And yet God uses him to establish the nation of Israel. It's his name that we call Israel, Israel. Gideon, the angel came to him and said, mighty man of valor. And Gideon is in the middle of a panic attack. Clinically, I'm not joking. The enemy is coming. He's in a wine press, a pit. He is threshing wheat. He cannot bear to get out anywhere. 
And when God then gives him clear instructions, he avoids those instructions at first, goes into isolation, and even constantly verbalizes self-hate or self-deprecating language about himself. And yet God uses him to deliver Israel. King Saul, hand-selected by God to be the first king of Israel. King Saul, head and shoulders above everybody else, all the characteristics you would think is necessary to be a good king. And yet if he was diagnosed today, would probably be considered bipolar. Now I'm not joking. These manic highs with racing thoughts and anger that begins to escalate in so much that it becomes violent against other people, menacing or threatening against people, even to the point where he tries to murder David, throws a spear at him, and then immediately followed by major depression episodes where he's comparing himself to others. He's in despair and emptiness. Listen, one of the things I love about the Bible is the authenticity of the Bible. Now, God could have written the Bible and could have said, here's all the heroes of the faith. They had it all together. They never suffered. They never had any problems. But he didn't do that. He could have painted a picture of people who were physically strong, emotionally, mentally strong, but he didn't. Because mental health is not a modern issue. It's a human issue. Stigma number three. We think the answer is one-dimensional. We think the answer is one-dimensional. Whether you realize it or not, you are a multi-dimensional being. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. And when sin came into the world... Sin then had the ability to affect every one of those in different people at different times. Our spirits were made dead only to be brought alive by Jesus Christ at the cross. Our bodies were now susceptible to be infected by diseases. Our souls, which are emotion, our mental ability, can, had the ability to now become dysfunctional instead of functioning the way God originally planned. Because when sin entered the world, sin had its effects on this. And the challenge of mental health issues is that all three contribute in very specific and complex ways. The biggest problem is we typically try to use one solution to fix a multidimensional problem. Let me give you an example. We take medicine, but we ignore our spirit's need for worship in Scripture. Or we sit down for therapy, but we don't eat right, we don't exercise and we constantly scroll on our devices. Or some only address mental illness through faith. Believe if I pray enough, believe enough, read enough, I'll overcome. And then when that isn't enough, shame sets in because we think we did something wrong or God did something wrong. And that stigma more than any other is why so many believers suffer in silence. And I need you to hear me today. If by chance, that's how you feel today, I want you to know that God loves you so much. 
You are not crazy. You are not doomed. You are not irreversibly damaged. You are loved. You are adored. And you are celebrated by your heavenly father. And I don't care what culture or any well-meaning person has ever told you. It is not a sin to be sick. And your character is not defined by your chemistry. And your identity is not based on your illness. But I also want you to know there is victory in Christ. You know, when he went to the cross, they put a crown of thorns on his head. Every act of the suffering of Jesus was meticulously planned in order for us to be completely made whole in Christ. And as that crown, it's no accident that the crown of thorns was placed on the place that is of the most intense battle, and that is our mind. And you need to hear me because of Jesus, you're going to make it. Peace and joy are obtainable in your life. And your best days can still be ahead of you because no stigma, no symptom, and no amount of shame can undo what Jesus has already provided for you through the cross. Three truths I need you to know. If you struggle, if you have someone in your life that struggles, three truths you need to know. The first one is this. God is present in your struggle. God is present in your struggle. I know that's tough to believe. When you're in the middle of a panic attack, when you've got a loved one that's in a schizophrenic episode, when you're in the depths of your depression and you are so low and it seems like God is nowhere to be found, but that's because we carry a false theology that says if things are good, God is present, and if things are bad, God is not. That is a wrong theology. In Psalm 139, when David is going through one of the dark seasons of his life, verses 7 through 12, here's what he says. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens or the highest heights, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the lowest lows, you are there. If I take up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. If I say, surely darkness will overwhelm me and light will become around me will be like night. Even darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. According to the word of God, there's no darkness you'll ever face that God isn't there. There's no therapy session that he isn't there. There's no hospital room where he isn't there. There's no season, there's no day, there's no second where you are suffering or undergoing a challenge where he isn't there. And I know some of you are like, okay, If God is present, then why am I still struggling? Because sometimes we assume that if God was in our situation, he would do things different than he's doing right now. We assume that grace is only one thing. Grace is God's power doing in us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's what grace is. And the only grace we ask for and think about when we're undergoing difficulties is delivering grace. But after years of study, of following Christ, of pastoring, and living out through personal experiences, there are three different types of grace that God will pour into your life at different seasons. 
There is a grace that fixes something in you. That may be through a healing or revelation or transformation in you. But there's also a grace that fixes something around you. It could be a situation or a person that God changes the circumstances. But there is also a grace, a grace that carries you through something. The Apostle Paul writes more of the New Testament than anybody else, plants more churches, preaches the gospel more than anybody else in the New Testament, literally has a healing, miracle-working ministry, and yet he suffers from something and prays three times for God to deliver him, and God says no. Here's how he describes it in 2 Corinthians 12 and 8. He says, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Here's, here's the reality. God loved Paul and Paul loved God. But in his wisdom, God chose to give Paul a grace that didn't fix him or even make things easier. He gave him a grace that carried him through every single day, even in his struggle. I was having a conversation with a, with a friend of mine who was a pastor months ago. We were talking about miracles. We were actually in the middle of a miracle series here at the church, and we were, I was just talking things out. And he said something that was so so, so truth-filled, I wrote it down, and here's what he said. If miracles were God's only way of relating to us, there would be no need for the fruit of the Spirit that is called long-suffering. It's the truth. I've never heard anyone pray, Lord, give me the fruit of long-suffering. And yet God's grace allows you to be carried through those moments where you do have a lengthy time, where you have to make it through something. And listen, if you're here today, you've prayed, you believed, you've asked, you need to know God has heard you and he has given you a grace and it's not a lesser grace. And it may not even be a permanent grace. It may be that God has given you a grace to make it through this season right now where he brings you out of it later. Or it may be that like Paul, he allows you to sustain so that God can do something in you and through you that he could not be do in your strength in order he can do in your weakness. I don't know, but just because God gives you a grace to carry you through doesn't mean it's a lesser grace than a God that provides, than God when he provides grace to bring you out. And the fact that you are here today he gives you a grace to get through, to get up another day, and to make it another day. The fact that you're still here, you're stepping forward, is proof that God is present and you are receiving his power even now. It's the first truth. Second truth is this. God works through miracles and medicine. God works through miracles and medicine. So there's... It's really kind of humorous when you hear people on different camps. People that use medicine are painted as if they've given up on God. And people who are believing by faith are painted as if they're giving up on science. When both solutions come from the same source. Look, God does miracles. 
God does miracles. There's no denying that. He didn't just do those things in scripture. He still opens blind eyes. He still opens deaf ears. He still literally can dry up cancerous cells and any other disease. God still works miracles. And yes, that means he can reset biochemistry and he can rewire neurology. That means he can heal trauma and he can neutralize hurtful, painful memories. He can still bind up broken hearts and he can release a flood of joy in an instant. And so that's why we ask, we stand on his word and we take steps of faith believing that God still is in the miracle working business. At the same time, God works through medicine as well. Pastor Brett shared earlier some of the words that we come up with to try to describe this indescribable God. And one of those is omniscience. That's a compound word that means all-knowing. Here's the thing. If God possesses all knowledge and he's been around longer than anybody else, that means all knowledge came from him. What that means is this. The most brilliant minds in the world are brilliant because God shared his brilliance with them. Even in the medical community, sometimes God's power is displayed through medicine. In the Old Testament, one of the best kings in Israel's history, Hezekiah, is suffering from what God, what the Bible calls um, some type of skin lesion or a boil. And the Bible says that he is mortally ill, which means he is literally at the point of death. God sends the prophet Isaiah to see him, and Isaiah tells his servants what God tells him to do. Here's what he says in Isaiah 38 and 21. Isaiah said to Hezekiah's servants, make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil, and Hezekiah will recover. A cake of figs, um, our ointment was a hot, soft mass of figs with other ingredients that we now know, looking back on the ingredients that they made, was a common medicinal treatment that was used to treat lesions and infections of the skins back then. So, do you understand? God healed Hezekiah and he used a medicinal way. Just because you have to use medicine doesn't mean you lack faith. Sometimes God sends healing through the brilliance of someone else so that you can be ministered to. And I'm always surprised at the people who criticize this because most of them are very selective in their criticism. They're selective in the medicines that they criticize, actually. They will criticize taking Prozac but they have no problem taking penicillin for their infection. Come on. God works through miracles and medicine. Therapy that is helping you, that's God helping you. Prescription that is working in you is God working in you. Listen. It's time we take the stigma off of mental health because when we stigmatize things, we drive people back into the shadows that God is trying to call them out of. To not only in healing in a therapy session, not only healing in deliverance, and not only healing through medicine, but healing through community where God brings them into a community where they are loved and accepted for who they are. 
and people walk alongside them. The third truth is this. God's calling for your life has not been lost. Probably the most difficult thing mental illness brings is a sense of shame. And people will say things like this. Look, I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm not supposed to struggle like this. Or I'm a dad. My family needs to see strength in me. Or I'm a supervisor. My emotions shouldn't be this unpredictable. Or I'm a Christian. I should have it more together. Shame is a powerful force that wants to predict a shameful, false future in your life. And the only way to combat it is to use the word of God. Two ways. Hold shame up against God's promises. When shame comes to you, hold it up against God's promises. Here's what Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, which means they cannot be revoked. For he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Listen to me. If you are in Christ, just because you suffer with mental health issues does not mean you are less of a Christian. It does not mean that you are less called. And even in the worst episodic um, things that are going on in your life, listen to me. Those moments do not undo the calling God has placed on your life. They are irrevocable. And you also have to realize there is no such thing for the believer as called or not called. Because there is no such thing as perfect and imperfect people. So many of you feel broken today because of mental health challenges. And you wonder if there's any hope. But you need to know we're all broken in some way. And one brokenness is not better or worse than any other brokenness. Our condition doesn't undo our calling because when we place our lives in God's hands, he pulls back the shame. He adds grace to the broken places and he uses us to contribute in this wonderful masterpiece of glory that he has. This message, as I put it together, I didn't plan on it. It was a question that was asked. As I worked through it, I didn't realize how personal it would be. So many of you know my wife, Laura, battled cancer three times and finally passed away about a year ago. There was probably never a woman I ever met that had the faith she had. She had the ability to walk into a room and her smile would just lift the room. She had a laugh that was so loud that you knew it was her. She had a pipeline and a hotline to heaven that when she prayed for people, 
you knew God was hearing. And you know what you don't know? Is that the last few years that she was alive, she struggled with crippling anxiety sometimes and panic attacks that only I knew. My children only found out this morning about it because I chose to protect her. Yes, she had a doctor. Yes, she had medicine. What I need you to know is this. There were times that she couldn't even leave the house. There were moments that we made plans with people or a church event that I would have to call and cancel and just not lie but make an excuse because she couldn't go out and face anybody. What I need you to see is this. The woman that had the greatest faith I've ever seen struggled mightily at times with a mental health challenge that just gripped her. I need you to understand something. Just because you feel broken in one place doesn't mean that God isn't qualifying you to be used by him in greater ways than you can ever imagine. And my heart today is that somehow, some way, some of you that are living in the shadows and not telling anyone that you'll walk out of those shadows today, that you'll tell a friend or a loved one, call the church. We have a pastoral care and counseling department. We have people that are trained. We have people with degrees. And if it's if it's something that needs more than that, you need clinical help, we'll refer you to clinical help and still walk beside you along the way. But stop allowing the enemy to keep you walking in fear and darkness when God wants to call you out into his marvelous light so that you, even in your struggles, may declare the praises of him who called you out. Stop listening to the voice of the enemy and walk out in the healing and the grace that is available and the community that is waiting for you. In Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want everyone in the room, bow your head and close your eyes. Everyone. I only feel led today to do one prayer. Ask. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to call you out. I promise you. But if you're in this room right now, you say, Pastor, I struggle with some mental health challenges. Maybe it's clinical. Maybe it's something that's that's affecting your life in dramatic ways. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's panic attacks. I'm not even going to try to list everything. You know them. You know deep within whatever it is. And I need God's help. And I need God's grace. And I need God's community. If that's you, no one looking around at all. But if that's you, would you raise your hand really high? You're not alone. There are hands all over this room right now. 
All right, you can put them down. If you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor, I've got a friend or relative that struggles with this so much, and I need to know how to better be a friend or minister to them or help them, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Goodness. My goodness. All right, you can put them down. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the shame and stigma that culture has placed on some of the people in this room would be eradicated by the radical sacrifice and blood of Jesus Christ. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will begin to beckon and draw them out of the dark places where they've been battling alone and battling in science, in silence, and bring them to a place where they can admit it to someone, get help, get community. God, we lift them up to you right now. Holy Spirit, we pray for a grace that I know you can, that would supernaturally deliver them. We ask that in Jesus' name. But we also recognize that your plan is different for every single person. And there may be a grace that needs to carry them through. God, whatever grace it is that they need, Lord, send grace right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to come alongside our loved ones and our friends that are struggling so that we can be the help and the hope that you've called us to be. And God, I thank you right now that we're ripping the band-aid, we're taking the lid off of a subject that has been taboo for way too long so that your Holy Spirit can minister grace in ways that you have never, we've never dreamed possible. Heal now in Jesus' name our bodies, our souls, our spirits. You said in your word, you were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that we might have peace was placed upon you. By your stripes we're healed. Send wholeness to us now in Jesus' name. And we'll give you praise for it. Amen and amen. I want to tell you something. There are some of you today that are going to take a step and you're going to walk out of that dark place and you're just going to discover a freedom that you've never known before. Some of you may discover it instantaneously. Some of you will walk almost like, some of you will, will be like the darkness. You're in a dark room and the light comes on. And some of you will be like you're walking and experiencing darkness at night and the sun is rising and you progressively see almost imperceptibly more and more light. But I'm telling you, light is coming because Christ is your victory and Christ is your help. You believe that? Come on, give him praise today. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Love you guys so much and always a privilege. Let me heck, take the privilege of blessing you according to Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.